Hey, you're listening to John Gregory Vincent here with the Surfacing Inclusive Leadership Podcast. This is leadership I learned the hard way during my 14 years on submarines. After a Gallup gig, working for the best human behavioral organization in the world, I was ready to launch my coaching, advising, and training company, The Submarine Way. So hey, let's cast off all lines because we're getting underway, The Submarine Way. So, what do successful people who fall hard, like Harvey Weinstein and R. Kelly, have in common with some people in your organization? According to Reuters, Harvey Weinstein, the one-time Hollywood titan, who became the epitome of a culture of of, uh, pervasive sexual misconduct by powerful men that actually ignited the hashtag MeToo movement, was sentenced on Thursday to 16 years in prison for the 2013 rape of an actress in Los Angeles. The sentence to run consecutively to the 23-year prison term that Weinstein, who's 70, already serving for sexual misconduct uh, conviction in New York, made it all the more certain and likely that the Oscar-winning ex-producer will spend the rest of his life incarcerated. And then there's R. Kelly. According to Reuters, a federal judge in Chicago on Thursday sentenced R. Kelly to one additional year in prison for his conviction on sex crimes, many of which involved minors. And this extended a 30-year sentence handed to the uh, Grammy-winning R&B singer after an earlier trial in New York. At a 90-minute hearing, Judge Harry Leinwerber of the U.S. District Court for Northern Illinois and Chicago also ordered Kelly to serve 19 years simultaneously with the previous sentences. Now, these are sex crimes. And in the case of R. Kelly, as I said earlier, sex crimes in many cases with minors. But as egregious as these cases are, the things they have in common is that somewhere along the way, someone knew what they were doing. Here's what happens, and you'll see the analogies of when we have done the podcasts on the behavior that makes national news about police and the behavior of others that make national news. Here's how these starts. Let's take little Harry Weinstein when he first starts in Hollywood. Now, uh, this is me riffing a bit here. I don't know all of these, but he shows some talent. He shows some promise. He grinds. He does some things. He does some, you know, second seat, third seat producing thing. He's got a knack. He's good for it. All along the way, he's kind of a little, um, you know, a little touchy, a little uh, uh, this, that, and the other thing with... uh, with women, but, you know, nothing over the top, nothing egregious, nobody really correct, corrects it, nobody really says anything to him, and he becomes a bigger and bigger deal. And he starts producing bigger and bigger films, and he starts making more and more money for studios. And guess what? More people have jobs because of him. And he grows. And guess what else grows? The touching, the inappropriate joke gets more and more serious. And it grows and it grows. And pretty soon, how much do you want to be in this movie? And it starts causing these type of things. And he is forcing himself upon women. But by now, much like during the financial crisis, Weinstein's become too big to fail. He's now surrounded by enablers. He now He's now surrounded by people that count on him for their living. So what started is something that probably could have been controlled. And if it couldn't be controlled, you get rid of the bum grows and grows and grows. The same thing you can track with R. Kelly. 
started as you know a, a, a kid a kid just singing but very early on it was very evident that he liked not just women he liked girls and as he grew in fame the tolerance for what people were willing to overlook grew and his behavior guess what got worse it never gets better, folks, if it doesn't get addressed, whether we're talking police officers, whether we're talking Weinstein, R. Kelly, Michael Vick. Now, I like Michael Vick because it's a different kind of story. Michael Vick, uh, you know, the rumors out there, is, you know, he didn't really spend much time, actually. I think it was Virginia Tech he was at. And was, had people taking tests for him, and he kind of grew up, and he was, you know, came out of the, the, the tough streets. But the more famous he got, just an unbelievable talent, unbelievable quarterback. He got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and he people enabled and enabled and enabled because he was he was producing money and he had a lot of money and he had a lot of fame. Um, he actually got convicted for uh, running a dog fighting ring. Now he got sentenced to more time, 23 months is what he was sentenced to, than the prosecution was asking for. And a lot of people believe it's because he was, frankly, very arrogant in this federal case. Like, you know, whatever. I'm Michael Vick. Whatever. I'm Michael Vick. Again, enabled, overlooked. The behavior gets worse and worse. The person gets bigger and bigger, winds up in positions of authority or running organizations. In the case of Weinstein and, you know, R. Kelly was his own brand, if you will. And Michael Vick was very, very famous. He wound up serving 18 months, Michael Vick did. Um, but here's the cool story with him, and here's why I like it, all right? And this is the other side of this. When he got out, he went back to the NFL. In fact, in 2010, he was the NFL's comeback player. And he still does a lot of work in the community. He still does a lot of work um, with the Humane Society, right? It's a, it's a good story. And the only reason I mentioned him is because if these things are caught, there is still a possibility. Now, this is dogfighting. This is not raping and molesting um, women and children. Uh, so, But his is a story of redemption, and I wanted to temper this. So... What does any of this have to do with your organization? I'm not saying you have this type of abhorrent behavior in your organization, but you know what? You got an incredible salesperson, but he's a little inappropriate with his jokes, and he's a little bit aggressive with some other people in the office. Um, but you know what? He's killing it, man. I mean, this guy can carry the entire sales team. So, you know, we kind of say, uh, it's okay. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's just a funny guy. Sells more, sells more, maybe moves up a little bit, gets a, gets a regional management position. And guess what happens? His behavior, does it get better? No, it doesn't even stay steady. It gets worse and worse. Folks, the formula is always the same. If you don't address bad behavior when it's small, because it almost always starts small, it is going to grow. This is compounded when the person performing, if you will, these horrible acts becomes more and more powerful because fewer and fewer people are going to be willing to take him or her on. It's almost always a him. I can say that because A, it's true and B, I'm a him. But holy cow, folks, how many times do we have to see the same friggin' game played over and over and the same tape played over and over again? People see this behavior and they see it early. They see it when it's the first or second time and nobody does anything until it's so big and so egregious and so ugly and sometimes it never gets addressed. So the story here is look in your organization, okay? 
And I'm not saying it's your star performers, but when you see the, but the point is this, when you see objectionable behavior, whether it's related to harassment, whether it's related to, you know, decisions regarding finances, when you see it and it first appears, you have to address it then, as soon as you're aware of it. Because the bad behavior is not going to get better. In fact, it's not even going to stay the same. It's going to get worse and it's worse. Because what starts as a little brush on the shoulder that nobody says anything about, because it's a brush on the shoulder, and in that case, you know, whatever. But I mean, you see it two, three, four times. Guess what? That person says, hey, you're making me uncomfortable. Ha ha, laugh, laugh. No, no, not ha ha, laugh, laugh. You do something about it. Because it's much tougher, much uglier, and the damage that has been done to people is much greater when it goes on for years, especially as these people attain power. I can give you my own version of this in the United States Navy. I think it's you know pretty well known that I had a fairly uh, significant drinking problem most of my adult life. And the Navy was a very enabling uh, um, world to work in. Uh, drinking was not only allowed, it was actually encouraged, but there was actually levels of it. And what I found very early in my career is that if I was really, really good at my job, I could pretty much drink and be as drunk as I wanted to be as long as when it was go time, I was ready to go. And I was a darn good navigator on submarines, but you know what? I was the best diving officer. Diving officer is the person that maintains the, you know, the depth of the submarine. And a lot of times you're in places you're not supposed to be, and a lot of times you uh, come up and, um, you know, guess what? You're in a place that's, if you stick that submarine too far out of the water, it's going to create an international incident. And if you sink, meaning the submarine drops below that periscope depth, guess what happens, right? You lose communication and you might lose some vital information. So it is an incredible position and a very important position. And frankly, there's some science to it, but mostly it's feel. And I was as good as they got. I was the guy you wanted in that diving officer chair when it really counted, when the mission was absolutely had to be performed flawlessly as much as they can be with all the variables, I was your guy. Because of that, everybody looked the other way on my drinking. Everyone. So that's my own little example. And guess what? I got more and more senior. So guess what I got to do? More and more drinking. It's different situations and different examples, but the manifestation is the same thing. So again, how does this manifest itself in your organization. It manifests this way. If the bad behavior is language or threatening behavior or you know bullying or it's harassment or things like that, I read absolutely refuse to believe that behavior's not noticed. That behavior's not seen. The question is what are you doing about it? And I mean you. You don't have to I don't understand why are we running to management if this is you know you and a peer? Why aren't you addressing it directly with him or her, usually him, C-Ref A? Why not? Why not say something? Oh, it's uncomfortable. Well, how uncomfortable is it for what he's doing? And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You're going to say something then? Of course you're not. You're going to say something when he's promoted two or three you know, ranks up the ladder? Of course you're not. You have to deal with it immediately, okay? And if you just don't have the stomach for it, then yes, by God, at least say something to somebody and maybe they have the stomach for it. The theme never changes. Accountability is critical in every organization. And when you see horrible, horrible behavior, 
in an organization, by an individual, by a team, by an entire department, or sometimes by an entire organization, you can trace it back to its origins, and there are people that saw it, they knew about it, and they didn't do crap about it. Don't be that person. Don't be part of that culture. I'm sorry. A little fired up. I'm calm now. I'm back now. So that, that is what Harvey Weinstein and R. Kelly have in common with your organization. They are extreme examples, which is often a great way to present these things, of horrible people doing horrible things to innocent people. And in your organization, are you absolutely sure you don't have bad behavior going on that you're overlooking? Are you absolutely sure? Take a moment. Hey, this is John Gregory Vincent. You're listening to Surfacing Inclusive Leadership. The company is The Submarine Way. Check us out. What do we do? We have a four-step process. We assess your organization and key personnel because key personnel, we train through talent. That talent has to be paired with the culture. So we assess both. Then we coach those key personnel. Then we coach those key personnel in tandem with others through training and through group coaching. And then we reinforce, reinforce, reinforce to make sure those new behaviors are practiced and instilled. And remember, we also have our second company now. We uh, launched, I believe, a week and a half ago now, Surf, and that is Submarine Way Wellness, submarinewaywellness.com. What do we offer? We offer the purest supplements on earth. We've been, Deb and I are huge believers in supplements, uh, but they are inconsistent. They are not regulated. You don't really know what's in the stinking bottle, but guess what? We went out, we researched, we looked, we researched, and we found a lab, third-party certified, NSF Institute certified, meaning it's a really, really, really sanitary lab. And you know exactly what's in that bottle is exactly what you're getting and nothing more and nothing less. SubmarineWayWellness.com. Yeah. And of course, the SubmarineWay.com, which is the flagship, if you will. We assess, we coach, we train, and we reinforce. SubmarineWay.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Again, I'm John Gregory Vincent, and uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can reach our president, Deb Cake Fortin. Uh, she's the founder of the company, also all over the place. LinkedIn probably easiest. And I just want to thank you so much for listening. And, and please, folks, be well. <laughs>